CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're always blessed to be with all of you each and every weekday afternoon at this time. We set this time aside especially just to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective, what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? If you've been reading your Bible, pray and hope you have, and come across something you don't understand, someone's asked you a question, hey, that's why we're here to give you good, solid biblical answers in these days that we live. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, 88. 88- 88-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Again, 88-88-ASK-CSN. Real simple. And uh, you can be part of the program. Join me today, special guest featured CSN speaker, Morning Times here on CSN. We have with us Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all the listeners out there. Great to be on to every man and answer. Looking forward to the great questions that come in. For me, every Thursday, for the most part, and uh, always excited to be on with you. And these are exciting times we're living in, Mike, as well as everyone knows what's happening in Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the Jewish people and pray there be peace in the Middle East. But uh, the Lord tells us differently. Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine says there's going to be a great war coming. It's uh, not yet, but it is coming. And uh, right now, it's the wars, rumors of wars. It's kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. As you just said, we'll... Uh, will be happening in the last days. And, uh, of course, Ezekiel prophesies the last days uh, war of, uh, we call it the Ezekiel War with Russia and Iran, as well as uh, the Islamic countries surrounding Israel, and along with Turkey will be invading Israel. But it's not happening yet, but we see the uh, the uprising. We see the the pot boiling, if you will, as we've been watching for many years. So it's exciting times. It's a great time to invite people to church Invite them to hear the Word of God, to share your faith with them, and let's get them saved, and let's keep going for God. Good to be with you, Mike. Good to be with you. And uh, again, it's interesting when we read that, for those that thought that, uh, well, all this happened in 70 AD. What's really interesting is when Jesus said, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. When Jesus wrote that, and even to 70 AD, when Israel, when Jerusalem was was, uh, burnt to the ground, and uh, the temple was torn down, There was only one nation. It was the Roman government. It wasn't nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There was only Rome. But today, a completely different scenario, we do see, in fact, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And it is crazy time. And uh, again, uh, Joe Biden over in Israel and giving um, the uh, Gaza Strip, the Palestinians, a hundred million dollars. Now, I may have said billion yesterday. But million dollars, friends, that is a staggering amount of your tax dollars going for crazy stuff like this. Why would you support a government that voted Hamas into office in the Gaza Strip? Things that make you go, hmm. Not to, not to mention the $6 billion that I believe has been placed on hold uh, negotiating with terrorists, and not to mention the $80 billion that uh, Joe left behind when he abandoned um, everything that America had worked so hard for, 
there to try to get out of Afghanistan in a month, leaving brand new jet fighters, leaving brand new Apache helicopters, all to be you know, torn apart and, um, you know, retro designed, uh, no doubt sold to the Chinese government so they could save millions and billions of hours of designing helicopters. Uh, we left them a lot of brand new ones. <laughs> That's right. Instead of, you know, throwing gasoline on them and burning them up as we're going out the door or putting just a little bit of fuel in the jets and flying them to Israel. No, no, no. We left them all behind. $80 billion worth that has fallen into the hands of the terrorists. Friends, this is unexcusable. We have open borders where they're pouring across our border. You have AOC saying, oh, we'll, we'll take all the Palestinians. There's no way to vet them. She's deliberately bringing in the terrorists. We have, we have a government in treason right now. Friends, there's no other way around it. And we have to remember, we are in, I believe, at least the last days of the United States as we know it. Very important. Now, before we go to the phones, and we want to go to the phones right now, I want to read you something that just came across the wire here. Um, Putin's chilling warning. If you want peace, get ready for war. The Russian leader drops the ultimatum. Oh, you say, oh yeah, those crazy Ukrainians and everything. No, no, this is not who he directed it to. He said, Russian leader drops ultimatum amid fears of a U.S.-China clash. That's right. Now, friends, this is different. This isn't the Ukraine problem or even what's in the Middle East. This is a U.S.-China problem that Putin recognizes. Two weeks ago, he said his Satan-2 missiles would ultimately annihilate anything that they hit. Um... So, yeah, the saber-rattling goes on. All I can say is, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I think it's so important that we're ready to go when the Lord calls us home. Let's go to the phones. We have Fantasia, I believe it is, Palm Springs, California. I welcome. Hi, Pastors. Um, My question on today is, I have a girlfriend who... Um, she asked, she asked me if I was saved and I said, yes, I've been saved a long time. And, um, she asked me if I was baptized and I said, yes, I was baptized. She said, she then quoted to me Acts 2.38 telling me that if you don't get baptized, you're basically not fulfilling the fullness of, of being saved, of being with God. So then I turned around and I quoted her Luke 23 and 43. And she's still saying that you have to be baptized. So if you could just shed a little light on it for me, maybe there's other scriptures I can share with her. Yeah, we will. Because, again, um, here's the problem with that. That is a work that I do. Um, It is not um, uh, anything that causes salvation, But it is an act of obedience. That's what, of course, baptism is, an outward sign of an inward change. But to say that you wouldn't go to heaven unless you were baptized, uh, that is really not um, what the Bible says. Now, remember, uh, Jesus um, told us to go preach the gospel to every creature. Paul says, God sent me to preach the gospel, not to baptize. If the gospel is including baptism, then Paul was telling everybody a story. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, exactly. Paul writes in Romans 10, 9, and 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you upon the cross. He shed his holy and righteous blood for us. He atoned for our sins on the cross. We don't want to denigrate the blood of Christ and the atonement that he's given each and every one of us on the cross. Now, should I get baptized? Of course I should. Is it a means of salvation? No, but it's a identification. I identify with Christ's death and resurrection. The old sin nature is being buried and put out of business as you go under the water. You're then washed by the blood of Christ, and you come up in the newness of life. You're born again of the Holy Spirit. This is the identification we have in baptism, but it's never a means of salvation where I am saved through baptism. I'm saved by Jesus Christ, his blood atonement, and our belief in his death and resurrection, period, and you're born again of the Holy Spirit. So this is what takes place for a born-again believer who comes to Christ by faith. Mike, I'll hand it back to you. Amen. I hope that helps. Yes, and one more quick question. She also thinks that everybody's supposed to speak in tongues. Well, the Bible says they don't. Read Roman, uh, read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's very clear. Paul says, do all pray in tongues? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all have... Whenever a question is written in the negative in the Greek, the answer is always in the negative. In other words, you look at your children and say, do you want me to spank you? Oh, yes, very much so. No, the answer is, of course, no. <laughs> and and so when you see this here, and again, you can take her very clearly to Revelate, uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, have her look at verse um, 30. It says, do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way, the way of love. All the gifts of the Spirit are are kind of meaningless unless you empowered by love. Now, that is love for the lost, love for God, and the boldness to do what God called us to do. But very clearly, when it says, do all have these same gifts? The answer is no. Paul then further enforces it when you go to uh, chapter 14, just an, another uh, chapter or two later. And he said, uh, verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Well, I wish you all had a million dollars. But because of the way the, so- the sentence is written, everybody didn't. So very clearly, you have not only 1 Corinthians 12 as a, a scriptural reference, but you also have um, 14.5 of 1 Corinthians as well, saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues. They didn't. Otherwise, he, he, he would have said, since you all speak with tongues. But he didn't say that. I wish you all did. Why? Because the Bible says one who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But if you don't have that gift, you'll have one of the other gifts. Because the Bible says he gives the gifts, his, this is what's important, severally as he, speaking of God, wills. Not my will, God's will. And what gifts do I need? I think it's a great question. What has God called you to do? You know, if you're an evangelist, the word of knowledge is probably a really good gift to have. If you're a missionary, Maybe the gift of healing would be a really good gift to have. Maybe if you're an intercessory prayer, the gift of tongues would be a really good gift to have. 
You see, I believe it's what God's called us to do depends on the equipping of the Holy Spirit with these gifts so that it will be more like Jesus himself is there when we all gather together. Any last thoughts? Yeah, you know, when we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I think there's something like 23 gifts, uh, some for administration, some are personal, as you were just describing from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, meaning the, the nine gifts that are listed there, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, so forth, tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, and so forth. And so as we see these gifts, they're operational in our lives, not only in the church, but outside the church, uh, in daily living and so forth. God may give you a, a word of wisdom regarding something that you're going through personally in the business uh, aspect of life. It could be something in the uh, witnessing aspect of life. It could be something within your own family as you seek God. If, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He will give it to him liberally. He won't make you a liberal, please understand, but he'll give it to you liberally. Amen. And so these gifts are very functional, and they're they're very relevant. They're very real. And we need to pay attention to them as believers. If we need wisdom, we need knowledge, we need to uh, a gift of faith, or we need a gift of miracles, or we need a gift of uh, of healings, whatever it might be. They're operational within the body of Christ, and nobody has their their monopoly on any particular gift. Uh, they operate for the glory of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ, for the salvation of souls, for the strengthening of the body of Christ. And Mike just gave a great answer regarding the gift of tongues. If you receive the gift of tongues, praise the Lord. If you don't receive the gift of tongues, praise the Lord. Don't worry about it. The Bible says in Corinthians 12, the Spirit of God divides these gifts severally as He wills, not according to our desires, but as He wills, what is best for us and for the body of Christ, for the testimony of God. So uh, it's uh, your friend is unfortunately wrong, and uh, uh, if she just study the whole Scripture, every contents, context of each passage of Scripture, she learn and grow and and have full knowledge of uh, when, how, how to operate those gifts. I did a whole series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you can encourage her to go to our website at Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, uh, look up my series on the gifts, and and we will break them each down. What do they mean? How do they, they operate within the body of Christ and throughout the world? And I know that she'd be very blessed with that. Mike? I hope that helps. Yes, it does. Thank you, Pastor. God bless. Have a wonderful, blessed day. If you need God us, bless you too. we're here for you. Give us a call. And uh, we'll give you whatever you need. Plus, I'll send you out the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke. Then I'll send you um, this new one, It's Not Greek to Me, by Todd Friel. I think you'll really enjoy that. We'll send that out to you. We just got a few of these, and I'm giving them away this this week and probably next week till I run out. And I'll send that to you, as well as God of Wonders. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, and uh, Time to Grow, a little book. I think you'll enjoy all that. We'll get those to you and uh, use them. To evangelize. Let's go to Sergio in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Yes, greetings, pastors. It's uh, such a blessing to be on your show, to be able to ask this question. Yeah, you. how may we help? Um, yes, sir. Um, I just recently came into a debate with a, a family member who is uh, of the Catholic uh, faith mm-hmm. uh, over uh, the sufficiency of Christ as being the only priest uh, to which we can come to confession with. And um, they cited uh, some verses saying that uh, Jesus gave authority to his disciples to uh, to be taking for an earthly priest to uh, take or give or receive confession, I'm sorry. And they cited the verses, um, let me see here, John 20, 21 through 
23rd uh, for me to look at and read at and saying that that gives the uh, authority to man. Whatever sins you forgive or forgiven, is that what you're talking about? I believe so. I, I have not even Yeah, had well, let, let me just explain. That is not what that means. What it means, obviously, if you read it, as ambassadors of Christ, which is you, me, the apostles, all of us, we can authoritatively say, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. I, you, anyone that's born again can make that declaration. We can also say, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins remain. The idea that a priest can forgive your sins is apostasy. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5. And when somebody comes along and and begins to try to interfere with that, if we confess our sins, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The idea that a priest can forgive your sins is pure, hardcore heresy. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, we read also in 1 John chapter 1, verse uh, 8, 9, and 10, it reads, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Then he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who's he? Meaning the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I've write to you so that you will not sin, meaning you will live a lifestyle of practicing sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. It's important that people, they can take their sins to the Lord Jesus, and he will forgive and cleanse them as they are repenting, as the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sins, and they realize I've done wrong, and I was wrong in heart, I was wrong in attitude, I was wrong in speech, I was wrong in actions, whatever it might be. And that means you're, you're born again. The Holy Spirit is working in you and through you, completing the work of Christ in you until the day you go home to be with the Lord. Then you'll be glorified. We won't have this dealing with sin any longer. But right now, and if anybody says, well, I'm sinless. No, that's not true. The Bible says we deceive ourselves. And and God doesn't want us to have a lifestyle of sin. And we continue doing the same things over and over and over again. That's why he says, stop doing this. Confess your sins. Repent from these sins. That means turn and go the other direction. If you have a problem with anger and hatefulness, then turn and be loving and peaceful and kind and so forth. Uh, and this is what we do. Now, there's another passage in James that says, confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Now, what does that mean? In other words, if you have had an argument with somebody and it's destroyed a relationship, and you realize that you were wrong in that, you go back to them and say, you know what, I was wrong, and I confess to you that I said this about you, I gossiped about you, I rumored about you, or I was sarcastic with you, and I, I am so sorry, because God has convicted me of this, and I would would you please forgive me? And if they say, yes, I will, now you're in a position of you've now renewed a relationship. You have a healing that's taking place in the relationship as you confess that sin to that individual. And also the Bible teaches us about how to how to uh, forgive people. He said to Peter, he says, how many times, Peter says, how many times do we have to forgive? And he said, Jesus says, 70 times seven. And all of a sudden, 
Peter realizes, wow, this is not a, a mathematical formula. This is a life of forgiveness. As people come to you and say, will you please forgive me? Yes, I will forgive you. And uh, this is what Christ does for us and what we're to do for others as they come and confess their sin to us in true repentance. Mike? I hope that helps. It, it does. It really affirms what I already knew to be true. But I was just wanting to know how to best be uh, graceful with my words. When to, So I don't want to go, get into an argument with anyone about about this. And I understand how many can grow up in a religious, traditional uh, religion and just believe that that is, that is true. And uh, I just... I would, I would just like to be able to know how to like speak in a manner in which I'm giving truth, but not having them uh, dislike me or not not you know just uh, hate what hate what I might be saying to them and make them angry in any way. Well, Sergio, uh, one of the know? things it's it's sometimes it's almost impossible to tell people the truth without them getting angry with you. And I realize this is hard. Now, I do agree we want to be gracious. Uh, we, want to be, we want to be understanding. I want to talk to somebody as if uh, I was on the opposing viewpoint, how I would want somebody to talk to me. I think that's good. But sometimes you'll find people very polarized. And it doesn't matter how you slice the pie, they're not going to eat it. And I think this is one of the great problems. And so a lot of times people say, well, since I know they're not going to accept what I'm going to say, I won't say anything at all. That's not good either. We have to stand up for what's right. and We have to stand up for what's true. And we have to stand up for what Jesus would do. And for somebody to come in there and, and distort Scripture, and I understand if you are raised in that, not understanding the rights, the rights of a Christian. And that's what we're talking about here. Not the rights of a priest or the rights of the uh, disciples only, but that anyone. And, and so when you look at the context, the disciples couldn't forgive sins. A priest can't forgive sins. Come on. He didn't die for you. The Pope can't forgive sins. He didn't die for you. Only Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. And it's not a priest or a pope or a bishop or an elder or a Sunday school teacher or anybody else. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. All we are, and that verse that you originally called about, was just simply giving us the authority to declare that. If you accept Christ, your sins are forgiven. If you reject Christ, your sins remain. That's what that verse means. It's very clear. Because what they love to do, as all cults do, they take one verse and build an entire theology upon it without looking at the other verses, like there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus, and disregard that. Get out your black felt marker and just mark that verse out because it doesn't fit our church's dogma. Well, we're not here preaching dogma. We're here preaching what the Word of God says. Uh, what I mean by dogma, just to clarify this for everyone, the rules, regulations, interpretations of our church. I moved away from that a long time ago when I realized that a lot of times people were wrong. 
If you just read the Bible for what it says in context, looking at the other verses that whatever the subject matter is in question, what does the rest of the Bible say about that topic? It'll bring you into what the Bible is saying. And when the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, what's this whole thing a priest can forgive your sins? Wrong. Mary can forgive your sins, a co-redemptress. Absolutely heresy. There's no way around it. You never find anywhere in the Bible, Mary can forgive your sins. But see, when we look at the entirety of God's word, that's going to bring us into balance. That brings us into truth. That breaks the, the weight and the chains of religionosity off our backs. And we're free in Christ as a king's kid. And I just want everybody to know whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Daddy. If Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, why then am I going through a priest? My children have never come to me through somebody else. They come to me because I'm their dad. And it's the same way we go to our Father in heaven. We don't go to our, our Father through somebody else. And I think by simply looking at simplistically even the Lord's Prayer, why would I confess my sins to a man, which basically that's all a priest is, when I'm supposed to address God in heaven as my Father? Logically, it doesn't make sense. Scripturally, that would be heresy. And so when we look at the entirety of God's Word, oh, the freedom that comes. Hope that helps, Sir Joe. You know, can I have one last thing? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Joe, what I, what I would do, uh, Sergio rather, what I would do is, is sit down with the individual and open up the Bible and point to like 1 John uh, 1, 9, and 10. And, and that way their argument's no longer with you. It's going to be with what does the Bible say? And the same thing with the scriptures that Mike has been sharing, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, about there's one mediator between God and men. Uh, as well as the Our Father prayer there in Matthew chapter uh, 6. And, of course, um, you also have the uh, where Jesus says, don't use vain repetitions over and over again, which is another uh, false teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. That's also Matthew chapter 6. So, uh, anyway, I find that if you open the Scriptures and they read it for themselves, now their accountability is to the Scriptures. And you balance out the what they're, the manipulative teaching of that organization to what does the Word of God actually say? And and to just say, you know, what, what do you think about this? And let them digest it, think about it, talk back to you about it, you know, explain to what they believe it says, and then you have a conversation where you can bring them out of that false teaching. Mike? Amen. Sergio, I hope that answers it for you. Stay in line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus. Again, uh, it's not Greek to me. Uh, time to grow and we'll send those to you I think you'll enjoy them we're coming up on a break everyone we don't want you to go away when we come back we're going to have a whole lot more right after this are you ready to study to show yourself approved a workman not ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth in this sad lonely and lost generation people need help they need Jesus and who can present the gospel better than you Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time 
debt-free, and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. If you are 65 or older, you know this, watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating, but you're something that could really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for people with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor and get 24-7 telehealth from the comfort of your home. And here's the thing. If you join before October 30th, you'll get your second month free and save even more. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. The deadline against October 30th, so now is a great time to call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Minute Answer here on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner from uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. We just want to once again just say, um, be praying for the peace of Israel, as the Bible Amen. tells us to do. Let's go to Alexa in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, so I have a question. It's been on my mind for a long time. And um, so we have a son. He's um, he's 19 years old and he's uh, living on his own. He's been with his girlfriend since they were 15, and they both profess to be Christians, but they live together. They're not married, and my husband and I have warned him on several occasions uh, that this is against the will of God, and um, <clears throat> when my son will ask my uh, my husband um, for advice, my husband, before he gives him any advice, he plainly tells my son that if he wants God's blessing, then he can't be living in sin, so my question is... Um, should we continue to remind him about him living in sin? I don't want to push him away, but I don't want him to go to hell either. No, and and the Bible very clearly tells us if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, it talks about those who, uh, and I'll just read this to you. Do you not know that the unrighteousness, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So evidently, there was somebody, something trying to deceive uh, the Christians at the Corinth church that you could do whatever you wanted to after you accepted Christ as your Savior. He said, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, and that's where I believe you have the situation with your son, nor for, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This is written to Christians, not to the world. Now, I think this is extremely important 
because I know there is teaching today in the church that says, oh, once you accept Jesus, hey, you know, I didn't do anything to earn salvation. I can't do anything to lose salvation. Well, friends, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says just the opposite. Now, it's the desire of the heart. It's by faith we're saved. That's true. It isn't by works. We know that. But where does your faith lie? Where is your hope of your salvation? If I just put Jesus in my pocket because, man, I dig on that fire insurance, but I'm going to live my life my way. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, clearly says you are deceived. In fact, he says, don't be deceived. I don't know who's deceiving people like that. I don't know whether it's ministers of today or the prophets on the internet or just a bunch of friends that don't really know what God says saying, hey man, you know, it's cool. Don't let anybody judge you, man. Well, that's not what the Bible says. So if we go by what God's word says, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I certainly would not stop letting my son or daughter know what the Word of God says. It's the way we say it. I think it's the way we say it. And I I think a question may be, hey, I was reading my Bible the other day, came across something, son, and I I, I read it, I, I, I thought about you, and I'd like you to tell me what you think it means. Why don't you read it, and when we talk next time, you can tell me. Write this down, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, um, 10. Let me know what you think. And and see what he says. Uh, in other words, Alexa, we're not trying to convict our children of their sins, or for that matter, matter anybody else. That's the exclusive work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to give them what God's Word says and let them deal with God over it. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, you... you... Who uh, gave Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, and then we also have uh, uh, Galatians chapter five, verses sixteen to twenty-two, and it talks about the same exact uh, sins, uh, many of the same sins, and that if you live this way, you practice this lifestyle of sin, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Also, in First Thessalonians chapter four, it says, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality." So also in First Thessalonians four, and I think Mike hit the nail on the head right then. As you as you have a passage, share it with him. Say, why don't you read this? Tell me what you think about it. You know, I I want the best for you and your girlfriend. And well, I don't know why you're not getting. You want you you're not willing to repent and get married. There must be some reason. What is it? What are you afraid of? And and uh, kind of push them in the direction of righteousness as we're to do as as born again believers to be salt and light. And and the light comes from the Word of God. It's going to expose their darkness, and that's what we're called to do. And, you know, always speak the truth in love, the Bible declares, and that's the real key. Uh, and it's it's difficult when you have one who knows better, but they're just rebelling, and you got to just keep reaching out, keep praying, and keep touching their hearts. But the Word of God, let me just say this, the Word of God will not come back void. It is living and powerful, sharp, and they need a two-edged sword. So get them to read, get them to... Uh, hear the word of God, whatever the case is going to be, and then ask them, what do you think about that, as Mike said? And I believe that that's a great way to uh, share with folks and bring in that conversation. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, God will make us as white as snow. Amen. Mike? Lex, I hope that helps. 
Thank you. Yeah, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit. I, I want the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you remember, Alexa, we're just messengers. We're just ambassadors telling people what our what our um, what our King has to say. Uh, I don't. You know, that's why you don't get really mad at worldly people. I I I, I sometimes have found myself very disgusted with some of the behavior that I've seen from people um, that even your own conscience would tell you that that kind of behavior is wrong. But really, it's up to up to God to, to, to convict people of sin. And, and he will. I think all you need to do is just, in love, just say, hey, I came across this, and I read it, and I just want to know how you feel about this, because it seems to be pretty serious. And just see what he says. Um, stay on line. I'll send you out uh, It's Not Greek to Me DVD as well as the movie Jesus and um, Time to Grow. I think all three of those would be really good, Alexa, and uh, perhaps you can use those in evangelism, okay? Thank you very much. God bless you, and thanks so much for the call. Uh, we had a caller that I think we m- might have lost, but I, I just want to go over it. Somebody asked, why Why do we get into politics on uh, to every man an answer. Well, very easy. I can answer that for you. Everybody, just about every prophet in the Old Testament was involved in politics. In the New Testament, we find John the Baptist, Jesus himself, Paul, and others crying out against tyrannical government, crying out against sin in government. Now, if you want to know why we do this, it's a point now in our society where it's really inseparable. Let me explain that. Because what the Bible says, what God will bring judgment on a nation for, like if you read Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament, very clear, or in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, you'll see what God thinks about certain behaviors of human beings. And then when you look and see political parties that embrace the very things that God destroys nations over, I'm surprised every Christian isn't crying out saying this is wrong. You see, when you look at Elijah fighting Ahab and Jezebel, because they were following a false religious system. They were doing things to the people of Israel that was kindling God's anger against them. When you look all the way through the Bible, whether it's Jeremiah or Isaiah or John the Baptist or whatever, you'll find people who make a stand because the ways of man are against the principles of God. So that's why we do what we do. And I believe every Christian needs to read Romans 1, find out which political party is for that and against that, and let it change your politics. There's no big mystery here. Now, right now, I just read an article where they said the Democrat Party has a real problem because so many Democrats now are supporting the murdering Hamas. I just read it. Uh, I believe it was uh, Newsweek uh, magazine. Let me look here real quick, if I can find that. Um, But anyway, the point is, is that We know what the Bible says. I'll bless those that bless these, curse those that curse you. This is what God says about Israel. Um, But not today. You you see, we have people that are bent on destroying America. 
this liberal bend isn't to just change the laws of America. It's to obliterate America. And when you understand what God will destroy a nation over, then I believe every Christian should be not only vocal about their love for God, evangelism, but what also God will judge an appending judgment. Again, everyone, read Romans chapter 1. See which political party aligns with the things God hates. You might want to change your political stand. Just saying. You know, Mike, a great commentary on on how the church has to be salt and light in the world and in the arena of of governance and politics and so forth. Because when you look at one political party uh, who supports abortion all the way up until the the birth of the baby, even some even believing after the birth of the baby, this is what's what's the difference? What just took place in Israel, killing these babies and cutting their heads off? We're cutting them apart in the womb. We're and they're willing to cut them apart as a firstborn. What's the difference? This is barbarism. This is murder. This is the killing of the innocent, and it is so wrong. But yet, the Democratic Party seems to many, not all, but many in that party believe it's fine, no big deal. If you don't want that baby, just get rid of it, kill it. And this is hideous before the eyes of God and really before mankind. We're given two commandments, love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, love our neighbors, ourself. There's nobody closer to a woman and then that little baby in the womb as well as the man loving that precious child. We need to become a a generation of life uh, here in America. And then you have the whole, like you said, Romans chapter 1 homosexuality and so forth. The transgenders uh, taking over women's sports. This is, uh, women fought for years for equality in sports, and now men are taking over women's sports by putting on a dress and a wig or, or, or growing their hair long and putting on makeup. This is foolishness and idiocy. But the Democratic Party seems to affiliate itself with so many things that are anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-traditional faith, uh, family, and so forth. But that's who they are, and we can't we can't mince words any longer. It is what it is, and we need to say no. This is wrong. We're going to stand and vote for those who stand for our personal values that are moral values. They are traditional values. They're values that maintain the Constitution of the United States. Uh, we're going to protect ourselves from foreign and domestic enemies to our Constitution, and this is what our founding fathers gave us so many years ago. And uh, as Franklin said to the woman after one of the congressional meetings, she said, he said, we've given you a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And we're at that place of losing the republic. And uh, but you know what? Let's trust God. Let's keep fighting a good fight of faith. And let's do what's right in our own country for the glory of God. Amen. Mike. Amen. And uh, I think we just need to be be aware of the times we're in. And so uh, let your light shine and uh, may God keep us strong. Let's go to Gail, San Antonio, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, yes, I was wondering if you could tell me if if the parents aren't saved, would a baby or a young child go in the rapture? I don't believe so. Uh, this is based upon um, biblical consistency. That does not mean that if the baby died, it wouldn't go to heaven. I want to make that very clear. But there is a promise in uh, Hebrews that talks about um, uh, where there's one believer, excuse me, Corinthians, where there's one believer, uh, it is sanct- the, the child is sanctified by the believing parent. Now remember, when the flood came, it wasn't just all little babies just floated to the surface and Noah and his family ran around and picked them all up. That is not what it says. I don't believe those babies went to hell. 
I believe that God's a fair God, but there's a supernatural protection that the Bible speaks of. Now, I know some people say, well, all the babies will go to heaven. I don't, I don't see that in the scripture because they weren't all saved when the flood came. However, that does not mean that any baby that dies uh, necessarily goes to hell. I don't believe that. I believe every person will stand before God on their own recognizance. And that means that that if the baby or a small child didn't really know what it was doing, hey, God's a fair God. God's a good God. We have to remember that. But there is a promise for those who, where there is at least one believer in the home. Your thoughts? I agree with you, Mike. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head of uh, biblical consistency with the, the, the times of Noah and the judgment of God. Uh, as was poured forth. Or, we or know Jericho we, or any, you yeah, know, I mean, all the way through the Sodom Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah and so forth. Yep. Uh, so the same the same thing here in the rapture. When the rapture takes place, these people, all families, adults, and their children, because they've rejected Jesus Christ, uh, they're going to go into the tribulation period. Now, they can still come to Christ for salvation in the tribulation after the rapture. That'll be their decision. But if they want to fight against God, reject God all the way through the tribulation and worship the Antichrist, which is actually the worship of Satan, that will be their choice. And thus they will follow follow Satan to hell. Uh, and, and that is their choice. God's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. But you have to come to repentance. And, and God will deal with all the precious children as he sees fit uh, of their lives and, and their destiny for eternity. It's up to God. And uh, I, But I can't manipulate the scriptures to say, yeah, all babies will be raptured when the rapture happens, whether they're with a safe with safe families, yes. With unsaved, I, I can't say that because that's not what the scriptures tell us. So, uh, and God is, God is loving, but ever, Jesus, God paid the ultimate price with his son. Uh, he went to that cross. He died for our sins. And the Holy Spirit is working heavily on every per- person's heart today. And, uh, they, and God's always been doing this throughout all creation. So God is always fair. Man is, is stubborn, hateful, and belligerent against God. Uh, we're all sinners. Uh, our sin is is uh, is rebellion against God, rejection of Jesus Christ, and people need to come to His great and glorious salvation and let Him love them and take them to heaven. Mike, Amen. I hope that helps. Yes, it did. Thank you very much. God, God bless, bless you. you. And stay online. We'll send you out the books, DVDs. I think you'll enjoy it. Real quick, I want to uh, follow up on that story I just said. Uh, this is Newsweek magazine, left leaning magazine, but it says Democrats have a Palestinian problem. It says, while Joe Biden has so far been steadfast in his support for Israel in an ongoing conflict between Hamas, a recent poll appears to show his voter base is shifting and the sympathies in the opposite direction. As of March, prior to the current outbreak of violence in the region, a survey by Gallup showed that for the first time since 2021, the overall sympathies of the Democratic voters has predominantly shifted from Israelis towards Palestinians. This is why you see the, the things going on. Today, one of the people in his cabinet resigned because he was pro-Hamas. Uh, again, baby slaughtering Hamas, yeah, uh, they walked out. So, no, I think there's real problems uh, there and uh, with this ideology and philosophy, as you embrace darkness, as you embrace death, whether it's that of small children, unborn children, or whether that of Hamas, your party has a problem. 
just to let you know. Newsweek magazine, by the way, I was reading there. I just wanted a little excerpt out of that, so just to let you know. Let's go to Jeff. Lacey Washington, hi, welcome. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. My question is about Psalm 83, whether that is a prophetic psalm of an event that hasn't happened yet, but could it be, it deals with destroying um, Israel's enemies directly at its border, which we see recently right now in the last few weeks, Uh, not an event like the Ezekiel 38-39 wars, but an event that takes place before that that results in uh, peace for Israel for a time and great prosperity. Could you see Psalm 83 as pointing that way? Great question. Your thoughts? You know, Psalm 83, many Bible commentators believe it's happened in the past already. I tend to follow that. Now, there's other folks out there that believe it's a it's a prophetic event that's still not yet to, it's still yet to happen. Uh, but uh, I, I see more in history now. And this it's debatable, but uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not convinced of it at at the present time. We know that the there's the building up for the Ezekiel War with Northern Africa with the Islamic uh, nations there, as well as the surrounding Islamic nations around. Uh, Israel today from uh, Syria. Now we have Lebanon, and of course, uh, Turkey will be in the alliance along with Russia and Iran, which is says it's Persia, which is modern day Iran, and and so forth. And these events are going to take place. Uh, but I see these uh, from sixty seven to seventy three, and we see these wars when Israel became a nation in nineteen forty eight. We've seen these wars against these Islamic countries. And it's been going on for quite some time. It's going to continue to go on until that Ezekiel War. And then I'm, I believe there's going to be the uh, very likely the rapture could happen before the Ezekiel War, could happen after the Ezekiel War. Uh, but uh, there'll be the rising up of the uh, of the one world government and the uh, the Antichrist will begin to take over and so forth as the church has been raptured before the tribulation period. But uh, it's it's building up and it's. Uh, these are exciting times in the scriptures actually being fulfilled before our very eyes. Mike? Amen. So uh, I, I think this is one we're just going to watch and play out. Now, again, remember, when the Hebrews read scripture, obviously what it says, number two, the spiritual application of it, and number three, the prophetic application for it. So when that is, don't know, but certainly we find... Uh, as long as America is standing with Israel, the Ezekiel 38 war says no one stands with Israel. Oh, the young lions of Tarshish say, what have you done? Come to take a spoil. But nobody becomes involved. No boots on the ground for the nation of Israel to help them ward off this invading a coalition army that comes against him in the last days. For those that are new listening, we find this in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. The Bible says it's going to be Russia. It's going to be Turkey. It's going to be Persia, which is Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan. We find Ethiopia, Libya, the states around the Balkan Sea, the countries around the Balkan Sea. Curiously, Egypt is not mentioned nor is Saudi Arabia. Now, that is kind of interesting to me because Egypt is not mentioned, nor Saudi Arabia. They're called Sheba and Dedan in the, in the Bible, and they don't come against Israel 
in this Arab war. So, interesting things in the days to head. I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jeff, God bless you. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of with the books and the DVDs. And let's go to Mary in Alameda, Oakland, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, um, this is Mary from Fernley, Nevada. Yes. Oh, Fernley, Nevada. Okay. Hi. Hi. Um, My question is, I have two grown children that have decided that they're going to live the homosexual lifestyle. Mm. I, I, when my daughter told me about it, I, I told her that God would not bless that union and that it was an abomination to him. And yeah. I lost her for four years. She wouldn't speak to me for four years. I just started having a good relationship with her again, but I've had to let that woman come into my house, and it bothers me terribly. But they do not sleep in the same room. They respect me enough for her to sleep in one room. My daughter sleeps in another. But now my son, who unfortunately uh, is in prison, um, has advised me that he is taking on that lifestyle as well. I don't know how to deal with this. Okay. I'm losing Daryl, your thoughts? You know, uh, all you can do is pray for them and hold your stand. Don't don't compromise and just tell them you love them. But you know what? It is sin before the Lord. And uh, they can read Romans 1 and just say, this is what I believe. It's Romans chapter 1. And you can share that with them. Or uh, Corinthians 6 there and also share with that. And uh, it's it's important that we just keep making the stand and hopefully before they die, it's going to penetrate their hearts and they'll get saved and repent of their sins. Mike? Amen. And I, I really believe that, again, um, as the Bible says, the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Uh, and I, I would say that you just need to pray that Satan is bound from your children's minds, that they would see the great opportunity to have their sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. Uh, we know we're not battling against things we see, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And certainly it manifests, and unfortunately, sometimes the people closest to us. And so our prayers are with you. And can we pray for you, Mary, right now? Yes, I have an additional question, if you don't mind. I heard a pastor on CSN say that sometimes your children's problems or situations come from your own sin in your life. I don't believe that in, in, in that other than learned behavior. I don't believe the sins of the parents are passed on to the children. But if they sit around and watch mom and dad drink every night, then there's a pretty good chance they're going to be an alcoholic. I don't believe that it is inherited sin. I believe it's inherited bad behavior. But certainly Jesus can heal that. Don't blame yourself for what's going on in your children's life, but rather pray for them. Father, give Mary wisdom when she talks to her children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Thanks, Daryl, for being on. Thank you. Look forward to being back with all. Remember, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 